I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking to Naomi Schwartz, Senior Director of Cybersecurity Quality and Safety at medical device security firm MedCrypt. Naomi recently joined MedCrypt from the FDA, where she was a pre market reviewer and consumer safety officer. So, Naomi, the FDA earlier this year issued revised, updated draft guidance for the pre market of medical devices and what manufacturers should be doing to address cybersecurity in their products. While you were at the FDA, what did you see in terms of the cybersecurity mindedness of manufacturers submitting their medical devices for FDA review? Were there large gaps in the level of cybersecurity maturity among vendors? Sure. There's a great deal of variability across the industry. You have very small companies that are very security minded very large companies that are very security-minded, and then everything in between where companies are growing and evolving toward a cybersecurity posture, but are largely uh, in the learning process, much like FDA has been in the learning process as well. So, you know, it's it's a parallel evolution between FDA and the manufacturers. So Naomi, are there common areas where you see medical device makers falling short in cybersecurity in the design and development of new products? And what would you like to see medical device makers do better in terms of addressing security earlier on in their product life cycles? There are definitely problems with medical device manufacturers who are heavily reliant on Bluetooth protocols and and trust the security inherent in Bluetooth, which is not bad, but it's not good enough for medical devices. So a lot of companies want to implement interoperability in their devices, which is great. But when they rely solely on BLE Secure Connect or other mechanisms that are sort of industry standard, they may not realize that that's not secure enough if their device has a certain risk profile. So there's a risk management balance that has to be taken. And for a a very mission critical device, for example, a diabetes therapy delivery system, you need more security than BLE Secure Connect is going to provide. So a lot of manufacturers are having to negotiate how to use standardized protocols and add security. And a lot of companies have, I think, developed this concept that if they roll their own cryptographic techniques, that that will help protect their IP and that that will help protect their devices. And in fact, that's a really dangerous thing to do because a roll your own crypto is not going to be as well validated as a well-understood crypto technique. And you end up with something that may actually be extremely vulnerable because it's never been tested. So a lot of companies, I think, are moving toward more of a standardized approach and looking at what NIST is talking about for protocols and for cryptographic techniques and really trying to adapt to that. So Naomi, the FDA's final post-market medical device cybersecurity guidance was issued in 2016, but it hasn't been updated since then. Do you think that that document also needs to be updated and why? You know, guidance for FDA is tricky because in areas like cybersecurity that are constantly evolving, 
you would hope that guidance can constantly evolve too, but that's not really how the guidance development process works at FDA. And it's very challenging to keep up with changes in industry in an area like cybersecurity that's evolving. It's a little bit more straightforward in an area that evolves more slowly, like electromagnetic compatibility or you know, biocompatibility, but, but cybersecurity is moving all the time. You have a moving target. So FDA probably does need to revise that guidance. They may be doing that now and we just don't know about it, but it is important for them to revisit that and apply lessons learned from events that have happened. So Naomi, you mentioned issues such as the cryptographic methods that are used by some medical device makers, you know, sort of roll your own versus, you know, sort of more standardized. When it comes to the overall life cycle management of devices, where do you see cybersecurity issues sort of falling through the gaps, issues that these device makers are just not addressing properly and could pose problems? Legacy devices are a bigger problem really than than current pre-market new submissions but a lot of manufacturers i think are stumbling when they are trying to demonstrate end-to-end security they can find really good security techniques for you know maybe a body area network part of the device but they forget to secure endpoints that it may be sharing data with end-to-end security is a challenging paradigm because Sometimes you're talking about parts of the system that are not actually device functions, and there's a lot of additional data systems that are collecting data, whether it's for post-market for the manufacturer or sharing data with HCPs or with caregivers. And those aspects have to be secure as well because they can be the weak link in the chain for the entire system, for that device, for for the larger ecosystem that the manufacturer maintains with many devices, in fact. So Naomi, we've also been hearing a lot from the federal government about the importance of software bills of materials and the FDA in its latest proposed updated draft guidance added that manufacturers should indeed be providing a software bill of materials for the third-party components in their products, as well as homegrown and other sorts of products that are part of these devices. How well are the device makers overall in terms of being receptive to this idea of providing S-bombs? Is this a challenge you think for many manufacturers and why? For legacy devices, for sure it's a challenge because it wasn't part of their initial planning. And it may be difficult for them to pull back and figure out what went into a device that was developed 15, 20 years ago. And hospitals particularly want to know what's going on with legacy devices because they are often the weakest link in a network. But for pre-market devices, you know, things that are in development now, it can be easier to collect the information for an SBOM, but you have to get it complete. And that's where it can be tricky one of the software components you use that's off the shelf may itself contain additional components and you may not know what those are so you have to do you know some software composition analysis and things to to piece together the whole story you know the complete ingredient list for what's in that software package that you're developing using other tools and that can be tricky and it can be a stumbling block but also 
You've got hospitals and HDOs who want to get their hands on SBOM, and some manufacturers don't want to share that because they feel like they're exposing their IP. So the hospitals want to know what's on my network, and if I see a new disclosure, what does it apply to? But it's tricky to tease that out because maybe the software is used, but the protocol that's vulnerable isn't. So SBOMs are helpful in some ways, but you have to keep a tight context for when they're helpful and when they're not. There are times when they just cause you know, a fire drill and there's no real reason for the fire drill other than let's make sure this doesn't affect us. But that can be very painful for the manufacturer and it can be painful for the HDO. It needs to be teased out. So Naomi, based on everything we just discussed and the various issues facing medical device cybersecurity, which cyber threats right now involving medical devices worry you the most and why? That's tricky because you've got several different things happening at once. You've got to consider state actors where nobody in the medical device industry is prepared to deal with that kind of threat. And the government is still negotiating how to deal with that kind of threat. You have ransomware and the criminal activity that's been going on, and that's immediately affecting the HDOs. It can be affecting the patients. And the manufacturers are scrambling to figure out how to handle those events. But you also have sort of the one-offs or special use cases like do-it-yourself systems where there are different motivating factors underlying why somebody might try to hack into a system. That's very tricky. You have to negotiate what is the reason they're doing it. There, there are entire books written on the subject matter. You have to negotiate whether their intent is malicious and whether their intention is not malicious, but maybe they don't really understand the risks that they are creating by engaging in the activities. So Naomi, bottom line, what advice would you offer to medical device makers in terms of what they should be doing to make their products more secure and ultimately safer? Medical device manufacturers need to start with the guidance. They need to use that as an outline for their design, for their processes, their procedures, their test plans. They need to take a look at how comparable devices are changing you know, what kind of information is publicly available about the evolution of security. They can take a look at similar labeling for similar risk devices to see what kinds of security measures have been validated for usability, which is really important. If a device is really hard to use, your users are more likely to try to find ways around the security measures, which is not helpful for anyone, but they have to prioritize inherent safety by design first because the other measures that can be put into place, you know, protective measures in the device or manufacturing process are less immediate and less impactful. And then, you know, after that, you're talking about labeling and instructions for use where many people who are using these devices don't read the whole labeling or sometimes any of it. They may or may not receive training, and they may or may not understand any of it. The old adage about people not reading their stereo manuals still applies today. People are looking for something that is intuitive, easy to use, and doesn't require them to invest a lot of time. And that's you know directly conflicting with the safety-critical nature of some of the devices. 
Thank you so much, Naomi. I've been speaking to Naomi Schwartz. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.